1 Corinthians. The book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 12. As I was thinking about our canvassing and the fact that this will be the second Lord's Day that we have been effectively rained out in our canvassing, which leaves four Lord's Days on our calendar. I told my wife over here, uh, uh, on the way here, I said, if it rains the next four Sundays, I'm going to suspect something's going on in the heavenlies. (laughs) And so uh, we'll see how that proceeds. But in light of us not being able to canvas today, I really wanted to do something that would be supportive of our study in the book of Ephesians. And you'll recall, why don't we just turn there right now, you'll recall in Ephesians chapter 4 that Paul is beginning to address the function within a local New Testament assembly on how God the Father is going to bring Himself glory through His Son in that assembly. And you'll recall that it begins with that church, chapter 4, verse 2, walking worthy of that calling by which we have been called, and to show it with all humility and gentleness. Those characteristics are characteristics of which we should be expecting uniformity here in our congregation. Now when I say uniformity, I don't mean that every one of us has the same maturity in humility and gentleness. What I mean is is that every believer here has, to some degree, to some maturity, those two attributes. Humility and gentleness. I mean, you had to humble yourself to be saved, right? And you had to submit yourself to God's governing to come to Him for salvation. Well, there is also that uniformity in our desire as a church to show tolerance one for another in love. And uniformity in each member of this local New Testament body being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In fact, we read that as part of our church covenant this morning as we partook of the Lord's table. There's to be uniformity in this. There's to be uniformity in verse 4, that there is how many bodies? One body. Uniformity. All not having the same measure of understanding, but a uniformity in that understanding of one body. Of one spirit. There ought to be a uniformity there. No one here should be thinking, well, a Jewish person gets a different type of spirit than a Gentile person gets, right? There should be uniformity in our understanding of the Holy Spirit of God. There should be uniformity in our understanding of the hope of our calling. There should be uniformity, verse 5, with one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We ought to all have the exact same doctrine, though we all might not have the same depth of understanding in that doctrine. 
there should be uniformity, verse 6, <clears throat> that there is only one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. There ought to be a uniformity with that. But there is something in which there is not a uniformity. And that is given to us in verse 7 of Ephesians 4 when it says, But to each one of us, grace was what? Given. There are different graces given as expressed in spiritual gifting is how we would word that. And not only is there each one of us grace given, it's a gift, but it is according to the measure. Everybody see that? So we might have someone here and another person in our assembly might have the same predominant spiritual gift, but there might be a different level of measure given of that gift. In other words, someone might... Say, we all should show mercy. Amen? But a person can have a predominant gift of the gift of mercy. Can there be different measures of that gift? In other words, one person may have, I'll just make up a ridiculous illustration, they might have three quarters of a cup. Another person might have a third of a cup. But they both have the same what? They have the same gift, but there's different measures of that gift in an assembly. And as I thought about this, each one of us, grace was given. Naturally, my mind began to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul himself had to deal with the same issues, didn't he? A misunderstanding concerning spiritual gifts because the Corinthians were demanding uniformity in the gifts. In other words, that everyone ought to have, in Corinth, everyone ought to have the gift of tongues or the gift of languages. Everyone ought to have that gift. And if you have that gift, that's the measure of maturity, that's the measure of spirituality. They were demanding a uniformity there. There are labels of Christianity that... They believe that if a person is filled with the Holy Spirit, then they will speak in different languages. All, every believer. Now we could talk about the languages being only for apostolic times, and that is true. But my point is, is there still, there is people out there that demand uniformity in that way. And there is not a uniformity when it comes to the giftedness that Christ has given to the church. And I may mention this before, that we seem to demand uniformity in the giftedness and we like diversity in the doctrine. (laughs) It's the exact opposite. And so I want us to read here, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to read the first seven verses and I want to also read verse 11. I just want to remind ourselves of some of the truths that Paul gives as he begins to talk about the things of the Spirit. Paul writes, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, 
however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries or services and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now look at verse 11. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as He would. Just as He wills. At the church of Corinth, that church had a lot of problems. And it had a lot of issues. Not only did the church have a lot of problems and a lot of issues, and Paul himself would hear, as it were, rumors. In other words, people were telling him about these issues here at the church at Corinth. But the church also had written to Paul concerning certain things within the church. And one of the things that they had written to Paul was concerning spiritual gifts or spiritual things. Now you'll notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1 that more than likely in your Bible there is an italicized word in verse 1. What is it? It is the word gifts. That italicization means that it's been added by the translators hoping to give greater clarity to what the Greek term is referring to. Now, if we were to translate that very literally into English, this verse, we would would translate it this way, now concerning spirituals, plural. And I think that if you look at this section, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 13, and chapter 14, which is a whole body dealing with spiritual things, I think that you would see that Paul deals in these three chapters with more things of the Spirit than just spiritual gifts. So what he is talking about here is, okay, you have sent me a question concerning things that involve the Spirit of God. How would we know the Spirit of God? How would we know that those things are of the Holy Spirit of God. And he mentions in verse 2 how they used to discern the things of the Spirit. He says, you know that when you were pagans, this was before they came to Christ, you were led astray to what type of idols? Mute idols. Well, mute means they they can't speak, they can't talk. God can speak because He is a living being, right? And He is speaking through the inspired words that He has given to us. 
But those pagans, when they went, they worshipped that idol, an idol that could not communicate. And folks, if you're worshipping something that can't communicate, how do you end up worshipping it? Well, you end up worshipping it according to how you observe or what you think or how you think that idol might be working or answering prayer or not answering prayer or how is it blessing me or how is it cursing me. You come up with all these types of imaginations. Why? Because there is no definitive word coming from that idol. But in Christianity, do we have a definitive word? We do have a definitive word, and it's here in our New Testament. And so Paul is writing, okay, how are we going to discern the things of the Spirit? Are we going to be like pagans? Are we going to say, well, you know, we're really ignorant on what genuine spirituality is, and we're really ignorant on how God wants us to worship Him. So what we're going to do, we're just going to look at everything as if it's totally subjective, totally according to our own imaginations or what we can dream up in our earthly fashion. And folks, it really comes down to this, in a very visual fashion, right? It's what you see, it's what you think about what you see, And that is the way the world operates. But that is not how God operates. And folks, we have a generation or two of people who, in many cases, many of them are genuinely saved people, who want to serve God like the pagans serve God. They want everything subjective. They want everything according to their imaginations. They want to feel God. They want to touch God. They want to see God. But folks, God speaks, doesn't He? And what we have, we have here in our Bibles. We do not have a God like the pagan gods. And Paul acknowledges that and reminds them of that. In verse 3, he gives to us a very, very important truth about the things of the Spirit. He says, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. I won't go into really an exposition of that other than to bring out the point that Paul is making. Folks, the things of the Spirit promote the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Does everybody hear that? The things of the Spirit. If you want to know, okay, is the Holy Spirit involved in something? Well, here's one criteria. Whatever the gifts may be, whatever the manifestation may be, whatever the effect may be, it exalts the lordship of Jesus Christ. In other words, when we talk about someone who is possessed of the Spirit of God, he says something like this, and I'm quoting from a commentator, I think this is really good. He says, they say something like this, Jesus understood the crucified one, is understood by his resurrection 
Lord understood of all the universe. Everybody see that? That's what it means when it says nobody can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. He's not saying that a lost person, if, a lost, if you say to a lost person, can you say Jesus is Lord, what will he say? He'll repeat after you, won't he? That doesn't mean the Spirit of God is working, right? What we have here is that every spiritual thing, everything that is proceeding from the Holy Spirit exalts the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It does not exalt the messenger. It does not exalt the individual. It exalts who? The Lord Jesus Christ. And folks, that's true in a church too. If you have a church that is filled with the Spirit of God, that church is consumed about Christ and His Lordship on this earth. So every believer who has spiritual giftedness or spiritual activity going on in his or her life will end up having a certain Christological confession. Jesus Christ is Lord and a certain type of lifestyle that portrays that Christ is who? That Christ is Lord. And he's going to talk about lifestyle here in this book and he's going to talk about how you order a service so that that Lordship is seen. That brings us to verses 4 through 7, which is really what I wanted us to really park on here tonight. It says, there are varieties of gifts. Now, if you have a King James Bible, it has the word diversities. Verse 5, there are varieties of ministries or services. If you have a King James, it says there are differences of ministries. Verse 6, there are varieties of effects. Again, if you have a King James Bible, the word there is diversity. All three of those words is the same Greek term. And that's why here in the New American Standard, in verse 4 you see the word varieties, in verse 5 you see the word varieties, in verse 6 you see the same word, varieties. That word variety refers to distributions. or allotments. God Himself, in His Son, by His Spirit, grants to the church of Jesus Christ certain distributions of gifts. Now in the book of Ephesians, He's going to talk about offices, like an evangelist. Is that a gift to a local New Testament church? Answer, yes. He's going to talk about a pastor teacher. Is that a gift to his church? Yes. Here he's not just talking about offices. He's just talking about the things of the Spirit in general. Whether they be giftedness, or verse 5, whether it be service one to another, or verse 6, whether it be the effect of that service. All of it is coming by the same Spirit through His Son, by God the Father, to His people. And folks, what I want us to see here is that every believer is given 
this distribution. Look at verse 7. But to each one, everybody see that? Each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So here we have a body, Faith Memorial Baptist Church. We have genuinely converted people within this body. The ages range, would you agree with that? The maturities range, would you agree with that? The genders differ, do you agree with that? Okay, But every believer, regardless of age, regardless of gender, ethnicity, maturity, education, everyone is given an allotment or a distribution of gifts given to that person. Each one. Nobody can say scripturally, well, I don't have any gifts. No believer can say that. The Scripture says, look at verse 7 again, but to each one is given. Everybody see that? Look at verse 11. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as He wills. How many get gifts? How many people have the manifestation of the Spirit of God? Every believer in the local New Testament assembly. Everybody see that? And folks, Paul's going to go on and talk about jealousy. Because we all have differing gifts, we can become jealous of another person's gift. You may say, all of us teach, but let's just say that you have a primary gift of teaching. What should you do with that gift? Well, teach one another. Right? You say, well, you know, well, I'm not in the pulpit. You're still teaching one another. If you talk to my wife before I became a pastor, before I regularly got up in the pulpit, <clears throat> you know, well, tell me something about Frank Jones. Well, he's always teaching. If you engage him in a conversation before long, he's going to be telling you something about Christ in the Scriptures. It's just in me. Who gave me that gift? The Lord did. He distributed that gift. Now folks, two people can have the gift of teaching and those two gifts not be the same measure, not have the same maturity. So should we be envious of that? No. This is all part of that one body. Sometimes when people get allotted spiritual gifts, they think everybody else ought to have their spiritual gift to the same measure and same degree. In other words, Paul's going to go on down here. Look at what he says in verse 19. He says, where they were... He talks about God has placed the members, verse 18, each one of them in the body just as He desired. And if they were all one member, well, where would the body be? But now there are many members but one body, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. 
And again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. And this does happen within a local New Testament church. Somebody might have a real gift of discernment. They're an eyeball. Right? Isn't that what eyes do? I see. Now my eye, my eye, my physical eye, if it could talk, I'm thankful it doesn't, but if it could talk, it could say to my hand, I'm more important than you. Or it could say to my feet, well, I'm more important than you. Or my feet could say, well, I don't like my spiritual giftedness because I'm not an eye, I'm just a foot. But folks, if the whole body were an eye, is there a body? There is not a body. And I've heard it said, and I've said this ridiculous illustration. If you were walking down the street, let's say you're walking down Main Street, you and your wife, or you and your family, and you're walking down Main Street, and you're looking at shops, and looking in the window, and all of a sudden you look to your left, and there goes an eyeball. Boing, 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 boing. Down the road. What would you say? Would you say, wow, what a body. <laughs> no, you'd be stunned, wouldn't you? What if you just saw a foot? Plop, 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 plop. You'd say, that's ridiculous. But that's the way churches act sometimes. When they demand, look, <clears throat> I have the gift of mercy, and I think everyone else here ought to have the gift of mercy to the same measure I have to give the mercy. What's your problem? Are you right with God or not? Maybe I go and take food to people for it once every week. I just look for those needs, and there I am. And now I'm mad at all of you because you're not going once a week. Everybody see what I'm talking about? When you say things like that, what you're doing is demanding everybody to be an eyeball or everybody to be a foot or everybody to be a hand. It's ridiculous. But what God does is He wants our church to function as a what? As a body. So He gives to us. All of us ought to be merciful. All of us ought to be hospitable. All of us ought to be givers. All of us are teaching whether you think you are or not. <laughs> okay. But there is primary gifts. Notice I said plural. There are primary gifts that are given to every one of us. And what God and what our church expects for you to do is to exercise those gifts with no jealousy over anyone else. Nor any demand that everybody else act just like you. Rejoice that God's given you the gift. Minister within that body. So how many people are given allotments of gifts? Every genuine believer in a New Testament church. Would that include an 8-year-old? Would that include a 12-year-old? 18? 30? And you can just keep going right on up. If you know the Lord, you have been allotted <clears throat> things freely given. We call them gifts. <clears throat> you have been allotted 
certain gifts and certain areas of service. Service to who? To the body. To the local New Testament body. Service. And when you do that, there is certain effects that happen. And folks, again, are there measures of gifts? Are there different types of services? There are different measures of effects. Sometimes as Americans, we get hung up on this. We say, well, wow, look at this. Look at that guy. Look at Peter. He preached on the day of Pentecost and thousands got saved. Wow. And poor old Jude, you know, he goes out and preaches and nobody gets saved. Or he ends up giving his life. Wow, Peter's the greater one. No, there's differing effects. Everybody understand that. And folks, even in the Corinthian church, you remember Paul? He said, look, I planted, everybody hear that, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. Everybody see that? So is, is Apollos greater than Paul because he's a great water? You know, he just goes around with his hose, all that seed? Or is Paul greater because he laid the foundation and then left to go start other New Testament churches? Who's the greater? Neither. Who's the greater is God who gave the increase. God had to give the increase for the church to be planted. And God had to give the increase for the church building, as it were, in that city of Corinth to go up using the proper materials. Everybody see that? Differing effects, differing gifts, differing services one to another. But folks, even in that diversity, and there is great diversity in all that, It all comes from a unity. Look at verse 4. There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Did everybody see that? Verse 5. There are varieties of ministries or services, but the same who? The same Lord. And in verse 6, there are varieties of effects, but the same God. You got God the Father, God the Son, God the God the Holy Spirit. Okay, and let me just pause here. Folks, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. Just because my gift might not be another gift, or that my gift may not have the same effect as when you or, or someone else exercises that gift does not mean that I need to go to God and ask Him to give me the Spirit because I'm missing something. Everybody see that? Whether the gift is predominant or whether the gift is hidden. Whether the service is public or whether the service is private. Whether the effect of it is great or whether the effect of it seemingly is small. 
It's the same Spirit. It's the same Lord. It's the same God. There is no such thing as a two-tier Christianity. There's not, I get saved, I'm justified, God gives me the Spirit, but now I need to be baptized with the Spirit. No. When you get saved, you have the Spirit, and the working in your life, and the outworking of that in your life, is the same Lord, it's the same God, it's the same Spirit. Hallelujah for that. This isn't the haves and the have-nots. That was the Corinthian problem. And folks, what we see here is there is this unity. And folks, all of these gifts and all of these effects and all of these services have a uniform aim. That aim, I've already spoken about it, is for the purpose of exalting and glorifying the Lordship of Jesus Christ in that local New Testament church. Note what it says, verse 4. There are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries or services and the same Lord. There are a variety of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. All right, what's the aim? It's for the common good. The common good of who? The church. Everybody see that? In other words, folks, my giftedness should not only exalt Jesus Christ, but it is for the aim and the purpose of using that gift, not for myself, but using that gift for the common good, or as Paul's going to go on and say, for the building up of that local New Testament assembly. My giftedness, whether you think I'm gifted a lot, or whether you think I'm gifted not a lot, it's for you. Now do I get a benefit? I do get a benefit. I get to feed and understand and come to know and embrace that eternal life as I see it revealed in the Scripture. I get all that, but ultimately, it's so that I can give it to you. If you have, I use this, if you have a gift of mercy, why do you have that gift? To use that gift among our membership. Everybody see that? Now I'm not saying you can't be merciful outside the church. I've taught outside the church. I've taught in other churches. But not a lot. 
compared to the number of times I have ministered to a local assembly of gathering of God's people. It's for you. And Paul says that. He says, look, whether it's Apollos, whether it's me, whether it's life, whether it's death, it's all for you. Now that's a gift, isn't it? A gift to be utilized among and to one another. Each gift, whatever that is, and the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 are not exhaustive. I don't think the gifts given in different passages, Romans chapter 12, I don't think any of those are exhaustive. But the gifts that are given to us or the movement of the Holy Spirit being manifested in our lives. Each gift does not have a separate aim. The aim is the same no matter what the gift. It is for the edification of the body of Christ so that in this assembly the exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ may be higher and higher. That's how you know the Holy Spirit is moving. In other words, folks, a person's giftedness should magnify Christ. Do you agree with that? It should magnify Christ in obedience. There should be something in that teaching, and that something is the Holy Spirit that He is using to draw us as a New Testament church to greater and greater obedience. It should work in our lives to this place that it would promote within us greater and greater confession of Him as Lord. It should work within us a greater and greater attention to the things of Christ. And when that goes on in a local New Testament assembly, you start seeing that assembly come into the proper uniformity along with the proper diversity, but the diversity and giftedness all have the same aim. Could a person exercise their gift of mercy and not exalt Christ in it? They could. And if they do, they failed. A person could have the gift of teaching and could they teach and not exalt Christ? They could. Folks, each gift does not have a separate aim. The aim is for us. You can look around the room. We're small enough. You could probably get a list. You could say, all right, you can name the names. My gifts for them. My gifts for them. My gifts for her. My gifts for him. My gifts for that child. Right? And folks, we see it in the text. If you go back and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we'll conclude with this. This section here. 1 Corinthians 10, look down at verse 23. All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable, All things are lawful, but not all things what? Edify. Edify who? 
those within the body of Christ, the church. Everybody see that? Paul's saying, look, when you insist on your own rights with no consideration of the body of Christ or how that decision is going to impact a body, you're wrong. That's like a husband who makes a decision and gives no consideration to his family. Gives no consideration on how this is going to impact the children or impact the wife. He just comes in one day. I mean, family, how would you like it if this happened? He just comes in one day and says, Hey, we're moving to Alaska. <laughs> uh... Now, if you're a guy, you're like, great, grizzlies, right? Uh, uh, dear, could we have a talk? Uh, you haven't mentioned this to me. I, I don't have a lot of blubber on me. And I'm afraid of grizzlies. Well, I don't care about you. God told me we're moving to Alaska. Folks, that's carnal. And if you heard of a family doing that, you'd scratch your head and say, what is wrong with that guy? But how many of God's people make decisions with no consideration for the local New Testament assembly they're a part of? Folks, when you insist on your own rights, or I'll put it in today's language, when you insist on living out your own personal liberties and have no regard to the building up of the body of Christ, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're carnal. It's not of the Spirit of God. Why is that? It may be lawful, but where does it fail? It doesn't edify and build up the body. You're not doing it in the right manner. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 33, he says the same thing. And he says, Just as I please all men in all things, now note this, not seeking my own what? Profit, but the profit of the many so that they may be what? Saved. Even as a missionary, Paul did not just go around doing whatever he wanted to do. He had in consideration the people that he was trying to reach. If he was in a Jewish home, he wouldn't ask for pork. Why? Could he eat pork? Yes, but if he demanded it, he would be casting a stumbling block right in the pathway of someone that he's trying to reach. His aim and his giftedness, whether it be apostolic giftedness, evangelist giftedness, pastor-teacher giftedness, individually gifted, the aim of all this is the exaltation of the Lordship of Christ and the building up of that local New Testament assembly of which you are a part of. He'll go on in chapter 14 and just repeat it 
and repeat it and repeat it. In 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 4, he says, One who speaks in a tongue or one who speaks in a language not known to themselves edifies who? Himself. Is that okay? No. The purpose of the gift is to edify who? The church. Verse 5. Now I wish that you all spoke in languages, tongues, but even more that you would prophesy, and greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in a different language unless he interprets because the goal is the church may receive edifying. Or 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 6. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in languages, what will I profit you unless I speak to you either by way of revelation or knowledge or prophecy or of teaching? The goal is edification. Or verse 12, he says, So also you, since you are zealous of spirituals or things of the Spirit, seek to abound for the what? Edification of the church. Verse 14. Therefore, let one who uh, speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a language, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. In other words, his mind, he understands what he's saying, but the people who are listening to him pray, do they understand? No, you've got to have it interpreted so that they can understand it. You say, yes, but I want to exercise my gift. The goal is the edification of the church. It goes on in chapter 14. If you go down to verse 19, However, in the church I desire to speak five words with my mind or with my understanding, that I may instruct others also rather than 10,000 words in a language that nobody's understanding. Verse 23, Therefore if the whole church assembles together and everybody's speaking in tongues or in languages that nobody understands, they're going to say you're crazy. Verse 26, What is the outcome then, brethren? When you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Now note that last sentence. Let all things, how many things? All things be done for edification. Everybody see that? The aim of the diversity of gifts that are in this local New Testament assembly and in every lampstand of the Lord of the Lord. The aim is the building up or the maturing up of the saints within that congregation to exalt the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And he concludes here in verse 31, for you can all prophesy one by one. Now folks, this is what it means to be edified. So that all may learn and all may be exhorted or encouraged in the things of Christ. Now folks, as we go through the book of Ephesians, there's a lot of things that we absolutely can demand uniformity at, but one area that we cannot demand uniformity is that every one of us have the same gift, the same gifts, the same measure of gifts, 
the same effect of those gifts, the things of the Spirit. But even though we have diversity of gifts, do we have a uniform aim? Yes. The Lordship of Jesus Christ in every individual person in this congregation, in every family, in every person that we talk to, the edification, the building up of themselves toward Christ, toward greater obedience, and greater confession that He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And folks, when we do that, we will see the effect of the Holy Spirit working in our midst. And we will give God glory in this church through the Son of God to God the Father who planned all this before the foundation of the world. We will show Him the wisdom that He had in bringing this mystery to pass in this place. Let's pray together.